2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Phil's first place lead in the NL East is two and a half games. Odubel Herrera is in big trouble. The Eagles' Joe Douglas is interviewing with the Jets, and Donovan McNabb thinks he's a Hall of Famer. Most importantly, well, second most importantly, what have you done in the last seven days to start getting in shape after listening to Ashley Greenblatt last week on the show? And probably most importantly, is everybody safe in the storms up there? Well, I'll answer that one first. Yeah, as far as I know, we had some nasty storms the last couple of hours. I think a tornado hit a couple of uh, parts of the area. A lot of rain where I am in Princeton right now, but so far so good. As far as your other question, considering that there was a long holiday weekend in between last week's show and this week's, I did a whole lot of nothing constructive, Bill. Good music, (laughs) a lot of food, a lot of beer, probably not part of anyone's ideal fitness regimen, including Ashley Greenblatt's, but hey, it was fun. Oh, I hear you. Well, you know what, Chad, I'm going to fess up and say I actually started to do a little bit of exercise, did a little walking in the 100-degree Florida heat. We're having... uh, we're having as much heat as you are having rain and storms up there. So uh, it hasn't rained here in a couple of weeks, and it's been mid to high 90s for probably two weeks. Yeah, you know, getting back to the fitness thing, I set a very modest goal, and I think I can do this. It doesn't sound like much, but I'm going to lose 14 pounds over the next 14 weeks. So between now and Labor Day, it's two days shy of 14 weeks. If I can't lose a pound a week, there's something wrong with me. All right. Well, my uh, my goal is a little heftier than that. Uh, that cardiologist appointment looms July fifteenth, and I will I, I will do it uh, one way or the other. I got well, you. Hey, Jet, we uh, we have great guests tonight, and award winning sports columnist Mike Sielski from the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philly dot com is going to talk all things Philly sports. Looking forward to that, uh, and we'll have some time tonight to take a few calls since we have only one guest in our lineup. So if you're listening, you have something on your mind, give us a call, 929-477-2855. That's 929-477-2855. And uh, we'll talk Philly sports. Yes, save your phone calls, though, until after our chat with Mike Sealski, as we only have a, you know, a certain amount of time with him. And we have a slew of questions for Mike about everything that's going on with the never-a-dull-moment Philly sports scene. And while we wait for Mike, he should be calling in any second. Now, how was your Memorial Day weekend, Bill? My Memorial Day weekend was good. Uh, kind of hung around a little bit. My wife's been out of town uh, with some family business. She came back over the weekend, uh, got a lot of work done, and hung out. Of course, we swim all the time, so I swam some more and uh, got a little exercise in. Nice. And, you know, regarding the Phillies, they've had their share of troubles this year, but they're on pace for 96 wins, right? in line with your prediction they've won eight of their last 11 they're up two and a half games so that ain't bad 
No, it's not bad. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the things, Chet, when we, as soon as we get with Mike here in just a minute, uh, one of the things I want to mention to both of you guys and, and get Mike's opinion and yours as well is, uh, you know, 96 wins is, is a good target right now. But I just don't have that feel. I just don't have that, like, this is the big red machine kind of thing or uh, this is a team that's going to run away and hide. But the the results seem to be there, and and what am I missing? Because I just don't have that feel. Yeah, well, we'll talk to Mike about that. Why don't you introduce him? Well, with that, uh, Mike Sielski, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Always great to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, Mike, it's Chet, and my first question, it's your wife's 40th birthday today, so what the heck are you doing talking to us? When I make a commitment, I make a commitment, fellas. So, uh, you know, here I am, um, and honestly, skip my mind that it was her birthday when I agreed to come on with you guys, oh, but no. um, that's, that's okay. We're doing fine. She's enjoying the day. We're surviving the uh, tornadoes up here in Bucks County, yeah, so we're yeah. doing all right. And hopefully you got her a nice gift. If not, fake it and I did. get it tonight. I got her a tornado, right. actually. So here we are. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's talk some Phillies first, Mike. The big news this week, of course, Odubel Herrera arrested down in AC on a domestic violence charge the other night. Now, this could go various ways, but do you think Odubel's Phillies career is over? I think the likelihood is that it's finished, yeah, um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, number one, if this turns out, to be true, and all in evidence so far seems to be that it is, um, you know, the Phillies are going to have a really hard time justifying running him back out there in the outfield um, just because if it is true and that he did this, the nature of the act is so egregious that, uh, it, you know, he shouldn't be out there. Uh, but beyond that, they have other options. Um, you know, they, have, they can play Nick Williams in left field and move Andrew McCutcheon to center. They can keep McCutcheon in left and play Scott Kingery in center if he justifies a full-time spot. Uh, and Herrera has not been a good player for them for more than a year. Um, so it's not as if, you know, this is, you know, in a total hypothetical, if this had happened to Bryce Harper, <laughs> you know, I mean, let's face the realities of pro sports and money. Yep. The, 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 the course of action that the Phillies should take would be a lot harder to take if it had happened to Bryce Harper just because of the nature of who he is and how much he's being paid. So, and again, I don't say that to minimize domestic abuse or, or violence or anything like that. I'm just, you know, trying to speak to the reality of the situation. So uh, to answer your question, Chet, yeah, I think we've probably seen the last of Odubo Herrera around here. Yeah. And I think Mike, uh, you know, Gabe Kapler immediately circled the wagons with the team and uh, you know, from Kapler's position, since he actually has a foundation that supports domestic violence, um, I think O'Double's done. There, there's, there's just no chance. Yeah, and, and, you know, the thing is, it's not as if, as to kind of come back to what I said earlier, I mean, this is not that hard a call, you know, in, in that regard. It, you know, you have to follow the proper procedures that Major League Baseball has laid out here. Um, you know, to a, to a certain degree, you know, you should, I think, ad- adhere to due process within the legal system as well. Um, but by the same token, you know, the available evidence suggests that this was, you know, uh, a, just an awful act by a guy who, you know, if you're, if you're doing, if you, if you draw a line down a piece of loose leaf paper and make a list of reasons to go easy or, you know, to, to show leniency to Odubel Herrera and reasons not to, there aren't a whole lot of reasons to, to, to justify showing leniency and bringing him back. I mean, he's just – his play has not justified it. His – you know, the nature of his character on the field, you know, the, the boneheaded plays, the 
absent-mindedness, all of that. And now, you know, it's carried over in a terrible way off the field. So I don't see at this point, I don't see a justification for bringing him back at all, either from a baseball standpoint or a human being standpoint. All right. So beyond all that, the Phillies are 32 and 22, exactly a third of the way through the season. My mad math skills tell me that the team, therefore, is on pace for 96 wins, which is pretty good. I'm still, though, not sold on the pitching staff, Mike. I think they could still use some help in terms of another starter as well as some bullpen help. Now, Adam Morgan is the latest to go on the IL. So, I mean, the stats say their bullpen is, I think, fifth, third best in the National League. The pitching staff has the fifth best ERA in the National League. What is your take on whether they should go out and try to get another arm? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to see how – um, guys like Nick Pavetta uh, continue, you know, and Jared Eikhoff continue to perform a little bit here. I mean, maybe in a perfect world, you don't have to go out and get somebody. Uh, but I think you're probably right, Chet. They're probably going to have to. And I think they're fortunate in that they have the resources in their system to be able to do that. Uh, I think it's just a matter of timing. It becomes a matter of, you know, who becomes available, when they become available, who falls out of the race. I mean, this is probably the trickiest part of being a major league executive anymore is that, and this has been alleviated a little bit because teams have, you know, followed this kind of quasi tanking rebuilding formula so that, um, you know, they're way out of the race uh, early in the season, a few more teams than there used to be, but because there's two wildcard teams, very few teams feel like they are out of the race. So it's going to be difficult for the Phillies to make any kind of deal, you know, before the trade deadline gets around here in July. So, um, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think they could probably stand to shore up their pitching staff a little bit. Um, but in the meantime, I do think they're in a pretty good spot in that they're 10 games over 500. They're in first place. They're going to have a chance to see about these guys in the crucible of a pennant race. You know, it's one thing to have Nick Pavetta and Vinny Velasquez starting every fifth day last year. Um, it's another thing to have it this year. You know, they're about winning this year. They're not about seeing what they've got. Um, so if these guys perform great, and if they don't, then okay, we'll move on to somebody else. And I think, you know, in Velasquez's case, that means if you don't perform in a bullpen role, you know, we may not have a place for you, pal. Hey, Mike, I was saying in the opening, uh, I think just as you were coming on, uh, you know, this is a 246 hitting team on pace for 96 wins. Why? I'm just not feeling that big red machine. I'm not feeling this dominating baseball team that every night is going to go out and win. Um, what am I missing? Is it the fact that baseball is just not very good, uh, schedules favorable, or, or what am I missing here? Well, I think part of it is uh, comes down to one guy, and that's Bryce Harper, who has had trouble putting the ball in play all season and particularly lately. Now, he laced a couple balls last night, and that was good to see if you're a Phillies fan. But let's face it, he hasn't put the ball in play often enough. Now, as bad as he's been at times, he can be that good and that hot uh, at other times. So if you're the Phillies, you have to hope, okay, he turns that around. But I think that goes a long way to explaining, you know, why you're not getting that big red machine feeling is that the big bopper in the middle of the lineup has been inconsistent. Um, You know, and I think – Look, Segura was out of the lineup for a couple of weeks there. He's back now. I think he he helps immeasurably in the two spot. You know, McCutcheon went through a slump. He seems to be swinging the bat a little bit better lately. Um, It'll get warm, you know, as Charlie Manuel used to call call it. Hitting season is coming. Um, So I think you have to, you know, hopefully look forward to that if you're the Phillies. And, you know, I mean, Kingery, Scott Kingery has hit pretty well since he's come back and and has hit well before that. So, you know, with the Herrera situation being what it is, if you get Kingery more at bats, maybe you get a little bit of spark, you know, towards the bottom half of the lineup. 
Mike, we're going to switch it up and talk a little birds with you. But before we talk about the current Eagles, I want to ask you about our favorite former Eagle. He made some news last week when he declared that, yes, he is Pro Football Hall of Fame worthy. Bill and I will talk more about that later, I believe. But you watched Donovan McNabb's whole career. So I ask you, Mike, is Donovan Hall of Fame material or not? Boy, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that he is. Um, you know, to be honest, Chad, it's not a question I've given a whole lot of thought. I'm not the – I like Hall of Fames, but I don't like the idea of people in my position picking who gets into the Hall of Fame. I'd rather each of the halls kind of come up with their own way of doing it and, and let me as a media member kind of stand back and critique it. But um, I think Donovan at his best was a Hall of Fame caliber player. I just don't think he was at his best often enough. Um you know, and, and, and consistently enough over the course of his career to justify it. And when he was at his best, he wasn't so much better than everybody else um, that would justify getting him into the Hall of Fame. He was one of the best, but he was not the best, you know, kind of like the, the Sandy Koufax sort of justification. Yeah, he was only great for five or six years, but he was so great over those five or six years that you have to put him in the Hall of Fame. Donovan, to me, was not that great. Put all that aside, like, it's just classless and graceless to say, I think I should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, why, I don't understand why you're saying that. Like, let, exactly. let somebody else say it for you. Um, you know, don't be the kind of person who would say, well, I deserve this, or I deserve that, or I was great and nobody acknowledges my greatness, um, but I'm <laughs> great, so I'll acknowledge it myself. Like, just, you know, back away from the microphone. <laughs> well, hey, Mike, when, do you think when you're looking at, uh, at careers like McNabb's, and we, we all know that his receiving core for the most part was probably average at best other than the T.O. years, um, does, does this, do you count that? Or do you just say, hey, here's the hand you were dealt, and if you could have won, won everything with that, then uh, you certainly would have earned it? Yeah, I mean, I think it does mitigate it to a certain degree. Um, but it doesn't absolve everything. I mean, I think Archie Manning was probably as talented a quarterback as ever played in the NFL, and he might as well have had, you know, two piles of uh, cow chips out on the, you know, <laughs> on the outside with the 1970 and 71 Saints. Uh, but the fact is that he didn't win games and he didn't perform all that well um, because he didn't have a whole lot around him. That doesn't put him in the Hall of Fame. Um, and I think Donovan's case is similar. Did he have? the best weapons in the NFL at the time he was in his prime. No, he didn't, except for the 2004 season. Um, but by the same token, you know, that doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. Just because his road was harder than other quarterbacks, that doesn't mean that he that, – that earns him some kind of special dispensation. Um, he still didn't get it. You know, he only got the one Super Bowl. Um, you know, like I said, he was not a he was not a pinpoint accurate passer. His completion percentage in his early seasons was kind of around fifty eight, fifty nine percent. It was only when To showed up that it jumped to sixty four um, in two thousand four. So, you know, like I said, I think he's I think at his best he was a Hall of Fame caliber player. I just don't think he was so far above what he had around him and, and kind of the tide that lifted all boats. I don't think he lifted them far enough to justify him getting into the Hall of Fame. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, Mike, the current quarterback is a guy named Carson Wentz. He's apparently in good health right now, looking good in the OTAs, especially throwing to Deshaun Jackson. What's your take on Carson and what kind of season he's going to have, assuming good health, of course? Assuming good health, I think he has a chance to have a terrific season. I mean, they have built you know, and, and fortified their offense you know, to give him every advantage. You, know, you go sign Deshaun Jackson, you have Alshon Jeffrey, 
you know, you have Zach Ertz, you have Dallas Goddard, you have, uh, you know, they made improvements at running back to bring in Jordan Howard. Uh, you have a terrific offensive line on paper. They drafted an offensive lineman uh, with their first pick this year uh, to help kind of build depth there and develop as well. So, um, you know, everything is set up for Carson Wentz to have an absolutely terrific season. And if he stays healthy, I expect that he will. He was the best player in the NFL in 2017 before he got hurt. Uh, it was his injury and his performance. The reason I think they'd win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles because he was going to be the MVP of the NFL and you took him away. And we had no evidence that the Eagles were going to thrive without him. And it turned out they did. And all kudos to, to Foles and Doug Peterson for that. But um, I think he is in a position to really take a step forward as, you know, a truly elite quarterback in this league. Well, we agree, and we hope so. Hey, Mike, I want to switch subjects with you again before we run out of time. Uh, the, the Flyers have a little situation they've created where uh, they, they weren't a very good team to begin with. They now have uh, alienated quite a few fans. Uh, is this a recoverable offense by the Flyers by jumping conclusions and uh, really putting it to their fan base somehow? Well, I mean, I, I think they are in a very, very difficult spot for this reason. The fan base is famously impatient, as we all know. And that, that truth, that fact, in a large way drove their quote-unquote policy for years and years under Ed Snyder. Every single year, they were pushing all their chips under the middle of the table and going for it. And what that led to was a hollowing out of their farm system, their talent pool, um, and that was what Ron Hextall was brought in to fix. And he was given four and a half years to fix it, and then they fired him because people got impatient again. Principally, Dave Scott, the president of, new president of Comcast Spectacor, got impatient. So here's the thing. They still have some young players who are growing, developing. People still need to learn and find out about them. Are the Flyers going to have the patience to see what guys like Ivan Provorov and Nolan Patrick and Travis Konechny and these sorts of guys have? Because you can't trade Claude Giroux. You can't, it's going to be difficult to trade Jake Voracek. They're, they make too much money. Um, they're signed for too long. Are you going to trade away some of these promising young players? You know, let's mention some of the young defensemen too, Shane Gostaspier, Samuel Moran, you know, uh, Travis Sanheim, you know, to try to get better more immediately? Or are you going to ride it out and wait to see what happens next season? Personally, I would ride it out. But, you know, this organization has shown – you know, a, uh, an utter lack of patience in the past. It showed it was finished with patience this past season when it fired Hextall and started and brought up Carter Hart and started accelerating the process right now. So uh, we have to see. They're in a tough spot. Well, that leaves us uh, to the Sixers to uh, discuss with you, Mike. Any gut feeling about whether Jimmy Butler will be back as a Sixer this fall, and what else do the Sixers have to do to uh, be a legitimate contender next year? If he wants the money, he'll be back. I mean, they can pay him more than anybody else by a long yeah. shot. Uh, I think they have to hope that he's back. My colleague Dave Murphy did a did a really insightful piece on Philly.com the other day, you know, pointing out that if, if Butler doesn't re-sign, it's not like you can take all that money and go out and get Kawhi Leonard or another big-name free agent. They would basically have about 78 or $70 million to play with over four years. And you're not going to get the caliber of player that they clearly need at this point to compete for a championship. So it looks like they're better off going all in and trying to sign Butler and Tobias Harris and run this thing back and hope that whoever you draft in the first round this year can contribute. Hope that Zaire Smith, you know, is fully recovered from 
you know, the, allerg- the allergic reaction last year that almost killed him and that he can come back and, and be a contributor and play well and prove himself to be uh, worthy of a first-round pick and, you know, justify the promise that everybody seems to hold for him uh, and, and try to make a run at this again. Because if you don't get Butler, I don't see what the other potential solution is unless you're open to trading Ben Simmons, and I don't think, that's pop- I don't think they're going to do that. Hey, Mike, um, we've got pretty good sports going on in Philly right now. All the four teams kind of, I say, would probably ticking up maybe, uh, depending, as you said, with the Flyers and the Patients. Who do you see getting to the, to the promised land first in, in the way this thing is all settled out at this point? I mean, I think the Eagles have to be one of the two or three favorites um, to get to and win the Super Bowl next season, given the moves they've made, given where they're positioned. Um, you know, anything can happen in October. If the Phillies get in the playoffs, you know, all it takes is Aaron Nolan, one other starter, to pitch really well or Bryce Harper to go in an absolute tear um, for them to make a run. Any team in baseball can make a run. So I would say it's one of those two teams um, just because of where we are in the calendar. I would probably put the Eagles a little bit ahead of the Phillies in that regard just because they've done it before. And, um, you know, it, it, in some ways it's easier for them to get back there. But, uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a, you know, it's an interesting time. It's a fun time. And I think those three franchises in particular, the Phillies, the Eagles, and the Sixers, are going to be good for a while. Mike, one last quick question. For today's paper, you wrote a piece about your interview from last week with St. Joe's AD Jill Bodensteiner. You talked to her for 40 minutes. Are, are you satisfied with her explanation regarding the Phil Martelli dismissal? I'm, I'm kind of not. Um, you know, it, it, it came off to me, her, her explanation came off to me as somebody who was hired to do the job of firing Phil Martelli. Um, you know, if if you were that down after one year of evaluation on the job Phil was done, why not give him another year? Um, why not say, hey, we're going to give you some resources to try to turn this around, and if you can't get to the tournament, you're out. I think Phil would have accepted that and understood it, um, but her answers came off to me like somebody who was brought in to do the job of firing Phil Mortelli, and there wasn't a whole lot short of going uh, undefeated in the regular season again that Phil was going to do to change her mind. Very good. Well, hey, Mike, uh, we, we've used up all your wife's time, and we got to let you go so you can get back to birthday uh, for Ms. Sielski, and we appreciate you coming on with us. Anytime, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Mike. Take care. All right, it's that time in the show when I get to rave about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I can tell you from experience, they have a terrific menu, plus lunch specials, dinner specials, happy hour deals, and always 24 beers on tap. Trivia every Wednesday evening, a DJ every Friday night, and with the warmer weather now here, the Irish Rover's great outdoor patio is open. Mark your calendars for Sunday, June 16th. That's the Irish Rover's annual awesome Father's Day car show. By the way, need a job? The Rover is hiring. Bussers, servers, cooks, and dishwashers. You can apply in person. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Check their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. And hey, Bill, you know I love the Stones, and it was this week in 1971 that brown sugar hit number one on the charts. A true classic. And it was Stevie Nicks' birthday this week, too, Chet. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the Stones, by the way, I just did a story for my, my real job today about ticket demand for concerts this summer. And even though they are ancient, the Rolling Stones are by far the number one in-demand concert tour this summer. 
Uh, the Stones were 52% above the Queen plus Adam Lambert tour in terms of demand for tickets. Number three, another old veteran, Paul McCartney, and then come the young bums at four and five, Ariana Grande and Shawn Mendes. But people still love the Stones, Bill. Well, I, I can understand that. Hey, Chet, one other thing I was wondering. Uh, you, you mentioned that the Irish Rover is, is hiring. Uh, did you tell Miss Linda you were going to put in for one of those dishwasher jobs <laughs> just so you could hang out over there a little bit more? She would love for me to get a part-time job and you know get a little extra money so she can go buy things for herself. But it ain't going to happen, Bill. All right. Well, hey, Chad, our, our buddy Big John Roberts posted an interesting question on Facebook uh, a week or so ago, got a lot of conversation regarding the greatest athlete in Philadelphia sports history. Hey, most po- uh, put Will Chamberlain as their number one, um, but it went all over the board after that. I know I caught some serious heat for putting Eric Lindros on my list. What's your thoughts? <laughs> well, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't even contribute to that little Facebook discussion last week because it's just so difficult. I mean, our younger listeners, the 30-ish crowd, let's say, not only never got to see Wilt or Bobby Clark or Bernie Perrant, they also never got to see Dr. J or Mike Schmidt. Just like, you know, you and I didn't get to see Chuck Klein or Richie Ashburn or Steve Van Buren or Chuck Bednarik. It's just so tough to judge, you know, people from different eras. And then you have to think about it hard and figure out if you're picking a favorite Philly athlete or someone who you truly think was the greatest. It's a real challenge. Now, even knowing you were going to mention this, I didn't take the time to make a top ten list or whatever, but I can tell you that I haven't, you know, having started watching sports as a young kid in the mid-60s, the guy at the top of my list would be Wilt Chamberlain still. Even though I got to see him only a couple of years as a sixer, he was not just my favorite player. He was also amazing to watch, just so dominating. So for me, Wilt would be number one among the greatest Philly athletes in my book, followed in no particular order by Mike Schmidt and Bobby Clark. And, yeah, Eric Lindros, if I thought about it, would probably be in the top ten just because he was so good. It's just a shame, you know, he had the concussion issue. Yeah, well, you know, I'm with you on the Wilt thing, and, and he was certainly my number one. And the reason he was my number one is because – at the time that he did play, he was just so much better than everybody else. I think that's where you lose a little bit of sight of that. And, and you know, my Lindros thing, I played a little basketball. I played some baseball. I played football. Uh, I can't play hockey, and I can't imagine doing what those guys do and doing it on skates. It's just, to me, it's, yeah. a, it's just an unbelievable thing that those guys do and what they put their body through on 50-second or 55-second shifts up and down and up and down uh athletically they're freaks in my mind yeah i agree and getting back to will it was just a shame that the celtics were so good in that era that the sixers couldn't win more titles and then you know wilt had the falling out with the organization the year after they won the nba title in 67 and demanded a trade which you know eventually happened and he went to the lakers it was just a shame they didn't get a chance to win more titles together because that 67 sixers team was quite amazing and i wish i could have seen them stay together another three or four or five years yeah absolutely and and to to the point of uh, of john's post there were 12 guys on that post every single one of them could have been on somebody's top you know top of somebody's list you know joe frazier and brian dawkins was, you know those guys were just freaks so um great great athletes uh, a, a great uh, conversation piece kind of sit around the the pub and chat about Yeah, and hey, you want to get back to Donovan McNabb for a second because uh, let's squeeze that in right here because I do want to talk a little bit more about that before we go to another break. 
Um, and for those who didn't hear it, Donovan was asked on TMZ Sports, you know, whether he thought he was a Hall of Famer, and this was Donovan's answer. Are you a Hall of Famer? Absolutely, and I'm not hesitating on that. I am a Hall of Famer. My numbers speak for itself. Eli does have two Super Bowl rings. Uh, I will give him that, and I mean, that obviously carries weight for a lot of people and a lot of voters. Jim Kelly making it to the Super Bowl four times and not winning, but he made it to the Super Bowl four right. times. My numbers are better than Troy Eggman, but he has Super Bowl rings, and he's played with Hall of Famer as well. When you look at my numbers and they always want to add other stuff into right. it. And, you know, was he an all-pro? How many Super Bowl opportunities? People don't realize how hard it is to get to the NFC Championship and to get there five times yeah. and then make it to a Super Bowl is tough. What do you think, Bill? Well, uh, all good points. All good points, but um, maybe because I just wasn't always a McNabb fan, I think McNabb comparing himself to Jim Kelly is uh, is a farce. Uh, of course, I've never been an Eli Manning fan, and if Eli Manning didn't have those two Super Bowls, he's certainly not a Hall of Famer in my mind. Um, so Troy Aikman, uh, he just he was the general, and he and he won games with the guys that uh, surrounded him. So I, McNabb is no Troy Aikman. Yeah, and I agree with what both Ray Didinger and Glenn Macknell said on the radio this past weekend, and in fact what Mike Sealski just said about 15 minutes ago. Donovan was a very good player and at times great, but you know not great all the time and not a Hall of Famer. His stats are very good. They do compare you know, pretty favorably to Troy Aikman, but no Super Bowl rings. Never a finalist in the three years he's been on the Hall of Fame ballot, and there's a reason for that. And by the way, Bill, Glenn Macnow wrote a, Philly, a Metro Philly column the other day about the whole issue, and he mentioned that there are three former Eagles not in the Hall who should be, and I agree wholeheartedly, and he would place these guys above Donovan, and I would too, Eric Allen, Harold Carmichael, and yes, Seth Joyner. I agree that all three of those guys should go in before Donovan. Mm, well, we'll disagree on that. But Yeah, I know how you feel, but I'm telling you, look at the numbers and just watch them, and I think all three of those guys were pretty dominating in their era. Yeah, well, they, they were. They were. I'm just not sure about the Hall of Famers. And I, one other thing about McNabb I'll throw out, and because we saw him every week of, of every year, uh, I think what happens is we see all the warts. You know, I think on a national, on a national level, McNabb gets a whole lot more respect than he did did or does in Philadelphia because we got to see it. I mean, same thing goes for a guy like Jimmy Rollins. You know, we saw him not run out pop-ups. We saw some things that the national people didn't see. And uh, I think with that, we're a little bit tougher on our guys on whether they're really hall of fame. That's, that's the, the pinnacle. But the other thing is with Donovan, it's just that it's something about his personality that rubbed people the wrong way. He always held that grudge about getting booed, you know, when he got drafted in 99. And he just never connected with the fans the way, you know, some of the other Philly favorites like Brian Dawkins or Chase Utley did. I mean, Utley wasn't the most friendly guy in the world, but they just loved to watch him play. And McNabb just rubbed people the wrong way with, you know, some of the things that he said, some of his facial expressions. Uh, not to mention the the throws that went into the the turf so often. So, yeah, I'm going to say Donovan is not a Hall of Famer. Good guy, good quarterback, but not great. Uh, I agree. I agree. All right, Chet. Hey, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? If that sounds like you, you need to talk to Dave LaVoy from Allstate and Westchester, PA. 
Yeah, very true, Bill. The same person you count on to help protect you can also help you get a reasonable retirement goal set. Then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoy in Westchester, PA, the number 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. That's right, Dave Lavoy, 610-430-0700. One more time, 610-430-0700. And, hey, Bill, as you know, I went to see The Who last Saturday, and their final song of the night was this one, which just happens to be my very favorite Who song. Mm. Let me tell you one other thing, Bill, about that concert. Uh, The violin player, and there's a great violin solo in the middle of that song, Baba O'Reilly, and their touring violinist is this gal named Katie Jacoby from Hokessin, Delaware. She was fantastic. And for the final song of the night, Baba O'Reilly, she came out in a Bryce Harper jersey because she is, you know, a Philly area fan and uh, from northern Delaware. And so uh, people just love the fact that she was wearing the Harper jersey and the fact that she's an amazing violin player. Gotcha. Hey, and one other thing, before uh, we get off of our Allstate uh, advertisement, let's wish Dave Lavoie a happy birthday today. So happy birthday, Uh Dave. Happy birthday, Dave. All right. Hey, Chad, our phone lines are open, as we said. If you want to talk Philly sports, give us a call, 929-477-2855. 929-477-2855. Hey, Chad, one thing I wanted to mention to you, too, just as a reminder, and I actually forgot to write it in my notes, and it just popped into my head. There is a film coming out. Uh, it's going to be on NBC Sports Network on June 11th and June 18th, part one and part two at 6.30 p.m., titled The Big Five Documentary. Uh, Tony Paris is doing that. Uh, he goes on Facebook as Tony T, T-E-E. Um, it's going to be really good, and it's going to trace the history of Big Five basketball. For all you basketball fans, I think you're probably really going to enjoy it. I saw somebody mention that on Facebook. Maybe it was you. I don't know. I saw somebody mention that, and, yeah, it does sound good because, you know, both of us growing up watch the Big Five all the time, so I'm sure it's going to be very good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, speaking of basketball, Chet, NBA draft is June the 20th. The Sixers have the 24th, 33rd, 34th, 42nd, and 54th draft picks. I'm wondering if those picks really have any value after that uh, 24th pick. Uh, Probably not a lot, but some. Keep in mind, Bill, um, Draymond Green, DeAndre Jordan, Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver, Manu Ginobili, Mark Gasol, all those guys were second-round picks. So, yeah, they have some value, although there's also a bit of luck involved when you're picking in the second round. When we get closer to draft time, we're going to have an expert on with us to talk about some of the possibilities for the Sixers at number 24 and what they might do with all those picks in the second round. So stay tuned. But, yeah, they have some value, and people you know, will often want to trade them and maybe get a higher pick in return or uh, you know, a borderline marginal player, somebody to come off the bench. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't think the Sixers are going to use all of those draft picks that they have, you know, 33rd, 34th, 42nd, and 54th. Or if they do, you know, a couple of the guys might be stash overseas kind of guys. Yeah, well, I wonder how long we can keep stashing guys. We we always have uh, <laughs> these assets, they call them. But, uh, you know, and then and we ended up trading a bunch of guys and ended up with none of the guys that we had as assets. And we have Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, uh, and, and that bunch coming in. So I, I just wonder, 
as you sit back and you look at the process, um, has the process really been a process? It's been a process, but you know what? If they don't re-sign Tobias and Jimmy Butler, some people are going to say the process failed because, yeah, they can still use some of the money to sign somebody else, but I don't know if they're going to be able to get any closer to uh, the NBA Finals with what they'd be able to get this year because they're not going to get a Kevin Durant. They're, I don't think they're going to have a shot at Kawhi Leonard. So if they don't bring Butler and Harris back, I think they're going to be in sad shape. Not sad shape, but they're going to be a lesser team next year than they are this year. Well, speaking of NBA Finals, the Finals get underway. Toronto, Golden State. Uh, Toronto, you know, looked like the, the Sixers had them on the ropes. Um, then they go and blow out Milwaukee pretty much, and now they face those Golden State Warriors. Uh, how's this going to come out? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch. It starts Thursday night, and I just don't see Toronto having enough depth to go up against the Warriors. I think the Sixers would have given the Warriors a better shot, believe it or not. Uh, I'm going to take the Warriors in five. I just think they're too deep, even with you know out a healthy Kevin Durant. I think the Warriors are too deep, and they're going to win that in five. In five? Holy cow. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see. I I kind of feel like it's going to be a little bit of a uh, better series than that. I I certainly don't think uh, Toronto can win this, but uh, you know they're they're wearing that underdog tag, and you never know what what's going to happen. Yep. I'll be watching. I do like the NBA Finals. I haven't watched any of the Stanley Cup Finals as yet. Game one the other night. I guess they're playing game two tonight. Right after we finish up here, who do you like in the NHL? The Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I'm sure rooting for uh, the Chief, Craig Berube, and Braden yep. Shen uh, to, to win that. But And I did watch the game the other night. The Blues got off to a quick 2 nothing lead, looked like they were in complete control, and the game went completely the other way, and they had no answers, and Boston took an easy uh, game one, one nothing lead. Um, Boston's going to be tough to beat, and I hate it. Yeah, I mean, this will be three straight titles for the Boston-New England area in three, you know, pro sports seasons. I don't like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and, uh, and, and and those folks have no problem with letting you know about it, too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they have the one guy who we've had on our show called Obnoxious Boston Fan because they can be obnoxious. Of course, some people might say that about Philadelphia fans, too, but I don't see that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually work with uh, a Boston native uh, on a on a pretty daily basis, and uh, I get texts of brewing bear pictures and dances and just all anything obnoxious. This cat, because he has it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Well, all right. Hey, Chad, we talked last week. What's that? Go Blues. Yeah. We talked last week about the Rugby Sevens coming to Talent Stadium in Chester. That's June 1st and 2nd. That's this weekend. If you're gone, it's a lot of fun. 24 college teams from all over the country, all the big ones. Uh, you should check it out, Chet. It's a party. And speaking of parties, how about the NCAA Lacrosse Championships being held at Lincoln Financial Field this weekend? And that was a lot of fun. I actually watched some of that. You know, my friend Denny and I were there in the parking lot by Citizens Bank Park, which, of course, is right by the link. And we saw all these uh, fans of uh, Prince, or not, not Princeton, Penn State and some of the other schools that were involved. And we thought, what the heck's going on? And then Denny figured, oh, that's the lacrosse thing going on over there. So I didn't even know. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people from the link were using the parking lot that we were in. And we found out Penn State lost, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure that was a lot of fun. 
Yep, Penn State, Yale, Virginia, and Duke in the Final Four with uh, Virginia winning the national championship. There you go. Philadelphia sporting some good stuff, getting good good products into the city, and, uh, of course, anything that brings a great crowd is good for the city. You know it. You know it. Hey, Chet, uh, we will be having our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame voting and selections coming up in June, which is very soon. Started this Hall of Fame in 2014, so this will be our sixth class, and we need five more names to add to that ballot, and it's not going to be easy to add these five names, Chet. Last year, we added Bill Berge, Jim Bunning, Maxie Bond, Harold Carmichael, and Tommy McDonald to our Hall of Fame. So that leaves our carryovers on our ballot. And I'm going to throw this out to you and to anybody that's listening to give, give us some suggestions on who they want to see added to the ballot. How's that? We have Bob Boomer Brown, Billy Cunningham, that Donovan McNabb, Chet the Jet Walker, Tim Kerr, Mike Quick, Jimmy Rollins, Mo Cheeks, Dave Schultz, Darren Dalt, and Randall Cunningham. Four of those guys are in their respective Hall of Fames but have not been able to get in ours. Uh, anyone special that you feel like you want to add to the ballot? Hello. Hello. Well, Bill, I have two names that you should consider. Since Jimmy Rollins is on there, I don't know how he got on the ballot so soon, by the way, I absolutely think the big piece, Ryan Howard, should go on the ballot this year. And my second name is the guy who is considered by many to be the greatest college basketball player to come out of Philly over the last 40 years, speaking of the Big Five, that Lionel Simmons. The L train was a four-time first-team all-Big Five selection and won the Robert Giese Trophy as the Big Five MVP three times. He won the Naismith College Player of the Year Award and the John Wooden Award as a senior. So Ryan Howard and Lionel Simmons, in my opinion, should be added to the ballot this year. Hmm. Well, we'll take that in consideration. We'll see who uh, other suggestions we get, and uh, we'll take a look at that. Interesting, interesting names. I thought you might come up with somebody like that Gary Maddox or someone along those lines. I'm a little surprised that uh, you went where you went. No, Maddox is no Ryan Howard. Come on, Maddox had a nice career, but Ryan Howard should be on the battle if Jimmy Rollins is on there. And in a couple of years, we'll put Chase Utley on there too. So uh, deal with it, Furman. Uh, okay, no no Frank Edwin Tug McGraw. He doesn't make it either, huh? Ooh, that's one to consider. Mm, glad, you're, glad you're with me. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Philly Press Box Radio celebrate our fifth birthday the other week, other month, and we rolled out some new shirts, Chet. They're smashed. Tell us about them, and uh, we are almost almost out. Yeah, back on May 1st, we unveiled these nice new Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts. They are available at this time in sizes medium through 2XL, and it is our red logo on the front and our sponsor's logos on the back. They're available in red as well as in gray and in black, but with the red logo. Uh, you can choose from regular cotton polyester material or dry fit. The prices are 15 bucks for the regular, $17 for dry fit. If you do need them shipped, in other words, if you don't live near Bill or me, add $7 to have one shipped, add 10 if you're ordering two, which is what we recommend, order two shirts. Uh, we're actually running out of some of the styles, as you mentioned, some of the styles and sizes on our initial run, but... We will be ordering more soon, so stay tuned for that, but let us know if you do want to buy a shirt. 
Absolutely. They, uh, like I say, they they look pretty pretty sharp. And uh, saw our man Bob Sullivan roaming around that Cape May Beach with his on this week, and we appreciate that. Yeah, and my brother-in-law Mark is a Tampa Bay fan, but I got him as his uh, as birthday gift last week a nice red one. So even though it says Philly Press Box Radio, it will go good as a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey Chad, who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio? Next week, Bill, next week we will have another esteemed writer from Philly.com, a guy who, like Mike Sielski, can talk about all four of the Philly pro teams, and I would guess just about anything else we would throw his way. Making his second visit to Philly Press Box Radio, sports writer Ed Barkowitz, also on the show, making making what these days is a monthly appearance. Our pal Fred Hugo is going to join us. All right. Looking forward to that. Both will be good, and... uh, both will be excited about what's going on in, in the Philly sports world. Well, hey, Chad, speaking of the Philly sports world, let's get back to talking about a little bit of those Phillies. And, uh, you know, as we started to talk about with Mike, uh, you know, the 246 batting average, all the low offensive statistics numbers, and how do you get 96 wins? I, I, I just like to talk about that a little bit more because I, that's not even talking about the pitching. Well, I'll tell you, I think they're doing a little better this year as far as uh, delivering when they have runners on base. I think they're doing better with that. And as bad as Bryce Harper has done as far as the numbers, you know, hitting 232, we're a third of the way through the season. He's got nine homers and 36 RBI. So you triple that, and he's got 27 home runs and 108 RBI, which is not terrible. Maybe it's not worth, you know, $26 million a year, but it's not terrible. And keep in mind, he has walked 37 times, which I believe puts him third or fourth in the league right now. Two guys right in front of him are Reese Hoskins and Andrew McCutcheon, who are also getting on base. So they are getting guys on base, and they are scoring a decent amount of runs. And they just haven't – I know they haven't, like, lit up the scoreboard like we thought they might. But as you noted earlier, they're 32-22, and 22, so they're doing enough – to win a lot of games, even with a pitching staff that certainly is not dominating, but it is number five in the league in ERA right now, which is, again, not terrible. We, we look at the, the guys and say, yeah, he's okay, he's not great. You know, Pavetta really scuffled last night after the – or he got through the first inning, giving him three runs, but then he was okay for four innings. And Aranola has not been the Aranola that we're used to, but he's somehow 5-0 and despite a high ERA. He's got a lot of run support. So they're getting it done when they have to. And, I mean, last week you saw on Facebook I complained that so many people were complaining about the Phillies during two you know, back-to-back wins. They've won eight out of 11 games. Yeah, Gabe Kapler does not always make a decision that everybody's going to agree with. He went a little hog wild in trying to win that one game, but he got the win. And they have won 8 of 11. They're on pace for 96 wins. People are never satisfied, Bill. Well, yeah, and, and again, I think everybody's looking for that wow factor. You know, though, Gabe Kapler has, has struggled at times, and, and there probably are three or four more wins that they should have. Um, but, you know, he pulled the right strings on the night when I was kind of leading the complaining when he pulled his starter <laughs> after three innings um, and then managed to get six innings of shutout relief. I don't – that, that you can't depend on that, but uh, you know I think it's it's that wow factor. You know you look at this team, you look at the statistics of the individual players on this team. There's not an all star on this team. 
You know, their best player, Segura, probably is hitting 308. Uh, Hoskins, 271, 13, and 41. That's, that's pedestrian. Um, that's, hold you on know, a second. That, that's pedestrian? 13 homers and 41 RBI a third of the way into the season. You tripled that, you got 39 homers and 123 RBI. That's only pedestrian? That ain't bad. I'll take yeah, that. Like I say, I, but maybe it's maybe it's the 50, 60-point drop he had when he couldn't hit the ocean. I don't know. Now, you know, and I – I mean, I and I really like Hoskins, but he I just thought he struggled. Realmuto was solid. Uh, Harper, we we talked about Franco with a great start has just gone in the tank. Um, yeah, he has. You know, um, Cesar's probably had as consistent a season as anybody in, in hitting three oh three. But if you're going to pick an all pick, give me three all stars out this team. I, I don't see them. I think Segura has a shot. I, I don't know the competition as far as who's, you know, in the running for each of these spots, but I think Hoskins has a shot with what he's done. Hernandez won't make the all-star team, but his numbers certainly aren't bad. 303, and he had, you know, the big homer the other night. Um, and I do like Segura. I think Segura is a definite candidate for the all-star team. Well, and, and I think Ramuto is too. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's what I said. Molina, that Molina guy is there. <laughs> he's pretty good. In St. Louis, but you know, I think Ramulto's been solid, um, two seventy two, eight and thirty two. Um, but I, I, again, I'm I'm just looking for this for something. I'm not I'm not finding it. I, I, well, it's almost like these games are a struggle to get through. And even when they win, uh, it's four three, it's it's five four, and you're thinking, how how did they do that tonight? As Mike mentioned, uh, you know, it's getting warmer and it's going to be hitting season, and hopefully Bryce Harper will get that little fever and start hitting, and Hoskins will add to his numbers. I liked what I've seen from Real Muto of late. And, yeah, Franco's got to come out of his slump because he has not been great of late, the average down to 219. Um, but, hey, 32-22 and 22 is pretty good. My big concern right now, Bill, is the bullpen. Not because they've been horrible, but just because of the injuries. I mean, they've got you know Robertson on the IL and a couple of other guys, Tommy Hunter, who's been there all season, and now Adam Morgan, who you know is not going to dazzle anybody, has been one of their most consistent guys out of the bullpen this year. He's on the 10-day IL with, I guess, forearm tightness or whatever, and that leaves him with one lefty on the pitching staff, one. Right. Well, two other guys I wanted to ask you about, uh, Jake Arrieta, 3.60 ERA in 11 games, and Zach Eflin, 3.02 in 11 games. I would say that uh, Eflin has certainly pitched better than expected. Arietta, uh, five and four, he's been been pretty good for the most part, and pretty consistent. Three six is about where the ERAs go these days. Uh, you happy with them? Yeah, I am. I mean, they're on pace for 15 wins apiece. So I would take that from those guys. Ariette at this stage of his career, Zach Eflin, you know, he's only 25 and he hasn't been great. He's been inconsistent, but if you can get, you know, 14 or 15 wins from him and the same amount or more from Arietta and Nola, you're doing okay. I'm still worried about the guys beyond that. I saw a tweet from, I guess, Jim Salisbury that uh, they pulled Cole Irvin after three innings of an afternoon game today and he thinks that he's going to be called up and maybe get the start on Sunday instead of Pavetta. We'll see what happens there. I don't think they're sold on Nick Pavetta and what he did the other night. I think they want to give Cole Irvin another shot. And I'd like to see that, too, because he pitched pretty well in his first two starts and not so well in the third start. 
Yeah, and, and you know, it's a shame in that third start. He, he didn't pitch very well. He, he scrapped, though. Uh, he made two bad pitches, and they made him pay for it. It cost him seven runs, a three-run yeah, over and a grand slam, and all of a sudden the numbers blew up. But uh, overall, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that warranted a trip to the farm, but uh, I hope he gets another shot because I thought he was pitching pretty well overall. Yep, give him another shot. What the heck? All right. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia from all the Philly sports teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Hey, Bill, can I take you back 30 years right now? Uh, probably quick. Um, 30 years ago today, May 29th, 1989, our third baseman, Michael Jack Schmidt, said this. Some 18 years ago, I left Dayton, Ohio, with two very bad knees and a dream to become a Major League Baseball player. I thank God that the dream came true. Uh, it got a lot of, you know, attention back then, the tears and all that. But Mike Schmidt, man, what a player, retired 30 years ago today. Kind of came out of nowhere when they were out in San Diego. Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, there's no crying in baseball, though, Michael Jack. <laughs> but anyway, uh, certainly a great player. Uh, and, and for those of us that grew up in that era and got to watch him every day, we talked about the warts. Well, we saw some Mike Schmidt warts, too. But what we saw most nights – was just an absolutely fantastic baseball player. Now, that's a Hall of Famer. That's right. And, hey, Chet, and uh, I, I was going to save this for crap we missed, but maybe we didn't miss it, and I don't have the sound bite for this, but today marks the ninth anniversary. That's right, nine years that Roy Halladay tossed the 20th perfect game in baseball history, beating the Marlins one to nothing. Yep, I heard that. And uh, speaking of anniversaries, it is the one-year anniversary of Brian Colangelo and the uh, burner phone thing coming to light. <laughs> one year ago today, boy, a lot has happened in that one year. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Do you have a parting shot today, Mr. Chesco? I do, Bill. You know I'm a music guy. And I'll tell you, in March, I saw Kiss for the fifth and final time. This past weekend, I finally saw The Who, well, Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend and several other musicians who are now there with those two legends. This summer, I'm going to see the Rolling Stones for what I'm pretty sure will be the final time. And even though I'm convinced Keith Richards will somehow outlive you and me and our kids. uh, Later this summer, I'm going to see Alice Cooper for a third and perhaps final time. I know you saw Peter Frampton a couple of times back in the day. Now he's battling Parkinson's and is on a farewell tour. It's somewhat sad knowing that all of my favorite bands from the 70s are winding down if they're not already gone. That being the case, I'm doing my darndest, Bill, to see as many of them as I can one final time before they put their guitars away for the final time. I cannot blame you for that. And they're still good. That's the thing about it is it doesn't matter, you know, as they get older, the the music is still great. Like you said, uh, you know, I said about Stevie Nicks being, uh, what, 71 now, and she was just on that 
uh, Hall of Fame induction show, and uh, just still sounded fantastic. I thought so, too. My wife didn't agree. She did not think Stevie sounded that great. I said, come on, I know music. She sounded great. Love Stevie. I agree. Hey, Chet, got a got a text or uh, Facebook message from our your buddy, my buddy, Dennis Malloy, and he has his mom listening to the show with him tonight. So let's say hello to Dennis's eighty six year old mother. Hello, Mrs. Malloy. Emma Jean. All right. Emma. We pre- we appreciate her and we appreciate him. Hey Chet, a couple parting shots of crap we missed. How about here's some tidbits. You know I like tidbits, right? Yep, football legend Bart Starr passed away this week, and as we know, there's always a lot of discussion about Tom Brady being drafted in the sixth round as the 199th pick in the 2000 draft. Well, Bart Starr has him beat. Starr was picked in the 17th round and was the 200th pick. That's right, just one further back than Brady. In the 1956 NFL draft, making him the lowest drafted quarterback to ever be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Rest in peace, Bart Starr. Chet, Memorial Day Monday, baseball lost Bill Buckner. Buckner had 2,715 hits, including a batting title in 1980. Here's a tidbit for you. On Monday, 16 hitters struck out three times. In 22 seasons in the big leagues, Buckner struck out three times, exactly zero times. Rest in peace, Bill Buckner. Anything else from you, Mr. Tesco, before we wrap it up? I had those two little tidbits written down in case we didn't get to them. The other thing I noticed uh, the past few days, Bobby Clark's former South Jersey home is up for sale. It's down in Cherry Hill. He lived there for you know quite a while, years ago, and I guess he still owns it but hasn't lived there recently. But it is now on the market for a mere $1.4 million. Not bad and it has a neat swimming pool in the shape of the Flyers logo. I would buy it just for that. But you and win on it. So, what the heck? So will somebody else. I saw the picture of it, and it is actually pretty cool. Pretty darn cool. And one final yeah, thing, pretty- happy, happy 74th birthday to Mr. John Fogarty. That was yesterday, 74 years young, and he still sounds great. Another replacement. And and I saw uh, John Fogarty not all that many years ago playing at the Hard Rock in Orlando. Had actually had VIP seats uh, in an invite, and it was actually free. It was the whole deal. Got to go backstage. It was really cool. I saw John Fogarty last year with ZZ Top, and they were all great. They both great. Yep. There you go. Wrap all up, right. Bill. With that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest tonight, Mike Sielski, our sponsor. The Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio Wednesday, June 5th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, Tune in and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Ah!